All right, it's Chandra with the Contemporary Horsemanship Podcast, and today I want to talk about contingencies of reinforcement. So that's also called like the four basic contingencies or four learning quadrants. I feel like I've heard of it more often as the four learning quadrants. There are four. They're going to be negative reinforcement, positive reinforcement, um, positive punishment, and negative punishment. So those are the four. Um, And like you can interchange like that you can be thinking you're doing one and you actually slide into another one or there could be multiple ones at play and things like that and I'm not going to get into the super details of that quite yet I just want to talk about what they are and I'm only going to talk about the reinforcement ones for today because I started writing this and it got really long trying to do the punishments and the reinforcements together so I'm just going to talk about the reinforcements separately today and then in the next episode I'll just talk about the punishments. So specifically I'm going to be talking about positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. And those are all all obviously going to be the most common terms that you're going to hear about with horse training. Um, But again we do use negative and positive punishment probably are hopefully less than the reinforcements Um, and I'll talk about that in the next episode. But um, So it's called like the learning quadrants or um, contingencies. Um, Like there is a little graph that we have and obviously you can't see this because it's a podcast, but I'm just going to describe it really quick and you don't really necessarily have to see it, but it makes sense like within the, within the graph, it'll help you make, make sense of it. So basically positive and negative reinforcement are going to increase behavior and positive and negative punishment decrease the behavior or they're supposed to and done properly. And that goes for both of them. And then on the positive side, both positive punishment and negative or in positive punishment and positive reinforcement, um, a stimulus is presented. So something is added to, to, um, change the behavior and then both negative reinforcement and negative punishment. Um, the stimulus is removed. So it would be like the boxes would be positive reinforcement. And then underneath that would be negative reinforcement to the right of, um, negative reinforcement would be positive punishment, positive, negative punishment, and then above that would be positive punishment. So that's probably not super clear, but it, you don't necessarily have to see the boxes. Um, but two of them decrease behavior, the punishments, two of them increase behavior, the reinforcements, and then obviously the two with a, the addition are, are stimulus is presented or added, and then obviously the two with the negative the minus sign would be stimulus is removed. And we'll talk about those signs because a lot of people get confused with those uh, a little bit later. I just want to first talk about positive reinforcement. Um, And we'll go into that and then I'll go into negative reinforcement a little bit. So uh, just like I was mentioning before, positive reinforcement, a stimulus that follows a behavior, and as a result, the rate of that behavior increases. So a stimulus is added to something. So just like the little positive sign shows, uh, that's all it is. I know a lot of people, especially in the horse world, there's a lot of like lingo and buzzwords and a bunch of crap that means nothing. (laughs) Like um, 
this is not one of those things, but it does get twisted into something that it is not. Um, I know a lot of people will be like, oh, well, positive reinforcement, it's it's just, it's positive, everything's great, everything's wonderful, and that's not true. Uh, do I think it's definitely better for the animals? Absolutely. Can it be done wrong and poorly? Absolutely. Have I done it wrong and poorly? Yes, I have. <laughs> um, and everybody has. It's not the end of the world, but it's just important to recognize that it, like, it doesn't, it's not all good things. Like you can't just give your horse food and everything's wonderful, unfortunately. Um, but it is the best way to work with horses, let alone animals. Um, and I, I'm going to stick with that. Obviously I still use negative reinforcement in there. Um, it's going to be non-escalating and I'll talk about that later, but, um, I do think it is the best way to work with horses, but it isn't just, they get food all the time for, you know, like obviously food is a huge part of the training process but it's not like everything's great like there definitely can be some conflict and positive reinforcement and some tension and anxiety and all kinds of stuff there can be aggression all kinds of things that that can go into there which we don't want but I mean that the same is true for any of the other learning quadrants but just as a buzzword as people hear about it just you know, throughout life or on social media or whatever, I think that's what the connotation that most people think of positive reinforcement and just think of treats and cookies and, you know, all this other stuff. There's a lot more to it. Do I still think it's the best way? Absolutely. But there's a lot more to it than that. So um, I want to get that out of the way. And I think on the flip side, versus looking at it in such a great great light I think a lot of people attack it because it's different and they don't understand it and that was really the goal of this whole series was people don't understand these terms they're turning them into something they're not and then they're telling all their followers like this is wrong or this is this and it's it's not um so I'm going to give you the, the complete actual scientific definition of what these things are. Um, it's not me creating what I think it is. It's what the science knows it is. So that's, I think that's what we're definitely lacking in the horse world for sure. <laughs> so um, on that negative side of it is people think positive reinforcement and think people, these people are crazy. We're just tree huggers. We don't get anything done. We want to just bribe our horses. And that again is also not true. Um, and obviously people are going to have like their ideas of whatever certain training methods are. At one point in time, I for sure thought positive reinforcement was craziness. You know, I was into natural horsemanship and I was like, that's weird. I mean, everybody's going to be on a different path and that is completely fine. I'm not here to talk anybody into anything, but I do want to clear up definitions of words and terms and what things really are because I, I see a lot of it and it's kind of driving me a little crazy. Like you can hate on positive reinforcement all day long forever. That's perfectly fine with me. But if you think it's something it's not, then you're just kind of wasting your time. Like if you're like, oh, well, you bribe your horse to do everything. I, that's why I hate positive reinforcement. It's like, great, but that's not what it is. <laughs> so I think once people have a full understanding of what it actually is, then maybe they, they would, since they understand it, they would be more open to it. And then if they still don't like it, that's fine. But they actually understand what it is and continue to not like it and not just be thinking of something different. So, you know, I'm kind of on a rant, but you know, that's normal. So, um, 
so uh, back to the negative connotations, because I've seen something recently where they're like, oh, positive reinforcement is the bribing and we don't get anything done and all this other stuff. When really, truly, the definition I've just given you is what positive reinforcement is when you break it all down. Obviously, there's a ton of other stuff that goes into it, which I will talk about eventually, but I can't talk for 10 days and <laughs> straight. Nobody would listen to this. And so I got to keep it short. So as so now I have all that out of the way and kind of why I'm doing it and what I've seen with positive reinforcement. I'm just going to talk about what the scientific terms are. And we've already gone over the definition. So um, I want to talk about a little bit more about what it, it really is and then some examples. So positive reinforcers usually include consequences such as food, praise, and money. And obviously the money is for humans, not horses. Um, the money is going to be tricky too because obviously horses aren't going to they're not going to understand that if they do this and this and this behavior and then wait 30 minutes, then they'll get something. That's not how they work. That's not how they're programmed. People do, for the most part, understand that. So like I work two weeks at my job and I know in two weeks I'm going to get a paycheck. That's not going to work for horses. Like it has to be immediate. Um, And then that's why we have like keep going signals and we have terminal bridges. We have all kinds of things to tell our horses that we're doing, you're doing what is right. Something is coming to you shortly. So we can't do it um, any, any longer time than that. Unfortunately, it'd be cool if we could communicate with them like that, but we can't. So I do want to just put that aside. That is going to be a very human example, but I want to put it in here because it works for people too. People use positive reinforcement on each other all the time. So these events cannot be called positive reinforcers until they have shown to increase the behavior. That's a very important part of positive reinforcement. Um, An increase in behavior is due to its consequences. And this is going to be the same thing with negative reinforcement, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So it has to do two things. Something has to be added to it and it has to increase the behavior in the future. So different reinforcers work for different animals, different people, different horses, whatever it might be. Um, just every, everybody and everything is different. So if I give like my horse, um, like grass, like she'll probably be like, eh, whatever I have grass. Like it's not reinforcing to her in that moment because she has access to that. Um, if it was winter time and I had like somehow had like some grass to give her, she'd probably be more like it would actually work as a reinforcer. So depending on the horse and the season and there's a lot of variables that go into it, but like also just each individual. So besides the variables, each individual preference is going to be worked into there. So like my mini horse likes to be scratched. Um, So I could scratch him like on the back or on the withers and that would be a positive reinforcer because I'm adding in the scratch to as a consequence of whatever behavior came before then. Pretty much all my other horses, um, especially Atlas, my Mustang, he really prefers not to be touched. Like that would probably be aversive to him. So um, for him, like when I work, when and I had been working a lot of touch because obviously he was wild, um, I had to add in a lot of food. He got rewarded over and over again whenever he let me touch him. So for him, being scratched is not a reinforcer. So that's not reinforcing for him and it's not going to make whatever behavior I was trying to get from him increase so if I was asking him to like lead forward and then I clicked him and then scratched him he probably wouldn't want to do that anymore because he just he doesn't really the scratching isn't really reinforcing him versus my mini horse that would work with him and then like each of my horses 
have different foods that they that I use as reinforcers for them. Um, most of them will have either alfalfa timothy or timothy grass pellets. Um, and then castor has timoth- like chopped timothy hay. So they have different reinforcers. Um, like my mini horse has like sugar-free treats because he's a little, um, a little overweight. Um, but each horse has a different reinforcer and that works for them. So and I've talked about reinforcers before and there's like lots of differences in value and stuff like that. And I'm not going to get into that too much, but it's important that each, you know, that each individual animal is their reinforcers are going to be different. So just like people, like some people really like praise and some people don't, especially depending on the location. And if there's other people, stuff like that, it's very specific, especially when you get into humans. So I don't want to do too much detail into people, but, um, just remember that when you are tr- like trying to do positive reinforcement or just handling your horse that every horse is different and they're not always going to think that the same thing is reinforcing. Just like behavior. Some horses love to go forward. They want to go forward. They want to lunge. They want to trot. They want to do whatever. Other horses want to stand still and take a nap. So it's very different on what is reinforcing to them. Let's see. Um, so like, again, some examples are, and these are going to be human ones, success. It's like you've accomplish something um praise recognition approval and then again money so none of those things are going to be for horses so I wanted to mention them because those are human ones so that we could have like a little bit of an example a human example I always give a horse example and a human example but I want to another thing I want to make sure that people don't think that these are going to work for horses a lot of times people will be like oh well he knows that he's doing a good job for me. Or if I just say good boy, that's good enough for him. That's not true. (laughs) So if I give him praise or if I pat him later, or if I let him like have a treat later on, like just like with the money example, horses are not going to understand that. The consequences of their behavior has to be immediate. Not like, oh, well, when I'm done writing after 30 minutes, I'll do whatever. Like, it's going to be, they're going to connect that to whatever happened earliest. So just like with my trail riding example, if you have a great trail ride, you come home, you untack and you give your horse dinner, pretty soon that horse is just going to want to be going home because at home he gets food. He does not understand that, oh, well, I did a great job on the trail ride. So when I come home, I'll get this food. That's not how it works. So, um, and I've talked about that before, but I wanted to reiterate that. And so Praise, recognition, paths, like horses are not particularly working for those. So I know I did say that my mini horse likes to be scratched. You want to be sure that if you're going to use that, the horse really finds that rewarding. And again, with scratches, that can be like very variable. So most of the time, scratches are going to be super reinforcing in the springtime when they're shedding out. So you could use them then like later on and they might not be as reinforcing. So like I don't use scratches a lot. I only use them with him and I only use them with food too. So like if he did something awesome, he'll get a scratch and he'll get food. So you do have to be careful of that. But I just don't want people to think that if they go over a jump and then stop their horse and pat them, that they've been using positive reinforcement. You are adding something to the behavior, yes. But usually there's a couple different things. Usually it doesn't happen quick enough so the horse doesn't understand what behavior is happening usually like okay so if you're jumping your horse and then you stop the horse the horse has stop it stopped and then you're like petting him or patting him they usually are not going to connect those two together because of the of the difference in time that's why we use a clicker 
Um, second, um, usually people will be doing a lot of padding. I used to be really bad about padding versus petting. Most horses prefer petting over padding. So that might not be a reinforcer whatsoever. The horse might find that aversive altogether. And the third thing was that it might not be valuable to the horse at all. So if the horse is, maybe he enjoys like petting or padding or whatever, it has to be at a high enough value for whatever behavior that they're performing. So like if I would go to work and my boss was like, oh, well, starting today, I'm going to pay you like $5 an hour. I'm probably going to quit because <laughs> it's not worth my time and my effort to do my job for $5. So in the horse context, if I have my horse jump a fence or probably more likely in a realistic example, a course of ju- fences, a course of jumps, and then get a pat, like you're, you're not really getting enough out of it. Um, again, there's that time difference where the horse is not going to connect the two events and uh, the reward is not enough. Now, I'm not saying after you jump a course, you should give him a bucket of grain. That's probably not a great idea either. Um, I would click over each jump and build up your course, but I do want to make sure that those two things are different. Like the, the value of the reinforcer needs to match whatever the behavior is and depending on how hard that behavior is. So like, um, for like harder behaviors, um, I will, I do have alfalfa cube pieces and I will give them those pieces on those harder behaviors or so anything that I need more motivation for. So that's an important thing to think about with horses specifically. So another thing I have from my books that I've been reading is, um, a little quote, uh, this guy named Charles Cantina says that there are, Three characteristics to qualify as a reinforcer, like an experience. Okay, so Charles Cantina says that an experience must have three characteristics to qualify as reinforcement. So one, a behavior must have a consequence. Two, the behavior must increase in strength. So again, occur more often. And three, an increase in strength must be the result of its consequence. So that's kind of what I was talking about with different reinforcers and stuff and why they would or would not work. So first off, the number one one is a behavior must have a consequence. So something has to happen afterward because, again, we're using positive reinforcement. We have the addition sign. So something is just being added. So let's say I want my horse to walk forward and lead with me. As soon as he starts walking forward, I can mark that behavior. And then my addition of something would be me giving him some hay pellets. So that would be the consequence of going forward. Um, And the second um, characteristic he has is the behavior must increase in strength. So occur more often. So if let's say I have grass pellets and that's pretty rewarding food for my horse, he likes those grass pellets. He wants to get more of them. So then that behavior would occur more. So it strengthens. And then third, the increase in strength must be the result of its consequence. So my horse is going forward in response to me asking him to and then reinforcing with the hay pellets. He's not going forward to go see his buddy, go to the gate, go to a favorite grazing patch. So it has to be from the consequence that I'm giving it. So that again can be a little messy depending on Um, what's going on in the environment and there could be a lot of things at play which I won't necessarily get into because there could be so many different um, just different things going on in the environment and your training but it's important that you have those three criteria 
and that not something else is reinforcing that behavior. And that can be the same with negative reinforcement. So just because I'm talking about positive reinforcement right now, these three things happen in negative reinforcement as well. So I'll give you examples of those since I did it with positive reinforcement. So again, number one, the behavior must have a consequence. So if I'm going back to my go forward example, just like what I did with positive reinforcement, I added food. If I'm using negative reinforcement, I put my leg on. My horse is slightly uncomfortable. And then he goes forward. I take my leg off. So that's the consequence of going forward is my leg comes off. And then the behavior must occur more often. So I squeeze. He continues to go forward. Every, like if, every time he stops, I squeeze. He goes forward. The behavior is occurring more often. And then the increase of strength must be the result of me taking my leg off, not something else. So again, not going to the gate, not going to his friend, not going to a grazing patch, uh, not doing anything else, not going to someone on the ground who he thinks has food. He's going forward because of the consequence of you taking your leg off. And it could be other things. So just like I was talking about where there's a lot of different things that can mess this up is some people who put their leg on, they leave their leg on and then maybe they're hitting them with the reins or they're adding the whip or they're doing something else or adding a voice cue or someone's leading them from the ground. So the horse isn't going to learn unless that is removed. So if you, like this happens very very often in beginner lessons, if someone's squeezing the horse and then they tap them with their whip and they're still squeezing when the horse goes forward, the horse didn't go forward because of the squeezing the legs, they went forward from the whip. And then they're like, well, my horse still won't go forward from my legs because you never released it. Um, With negative enforcement, you have to have a release. It's the subtraction of something. You're taking something away. So that's really important. So hopefully those examples make some sense. Um, the defining characteristic of a positive reinforcer is that when it is a presented following behavior, it strengthens that behavior. It doesn't have that, if it doesn't have that effect, it's not a positive reinforcer. So just like I was talking about with each animal's individual, if I give my horse grass and he doesn't want to, he's like, ugh, that's not quite worth it, then that, that grass is not a positive reinforcer because, like it, it doesn't strengthen that behavior. So that's, that's a big part of that. Um, it has to have that effect. So just because I think something might be reinforcing for the horse doesn't mean that it is your learner decides what is reinforcing. So that's really important. And it's not just food. So it could be lots of different things. So maybe when I'm working with my horse and he's like near his buddy and he's like he wants to be near his friend. Maybe we work for a few minutes and then I take him closer to his friend. Or, and again, this has to happen quickly afterward. It can't be a long, long, long time. So like, let's say I'm working on the backup and he backs up really well. I'll just go take him right over there. So it's not minutes later, it's it's immediate. Um, and the same thing can happen for grazing. Maybe I'm in the arena and we're working on the backup. He was really great. And then I opened the gate and we grazed right away. Um, that can happen Usually going to that preferred location that the horse has works really well. Um, they, like they, they can go over to their friend or to the barn or wherever. Um, but those things can be working in the background like while you are training. And that can be where you have a lot of conflict going on with positive reinforcement. Like maybe the horse really wants to be near his friends. Um, and then you're like, oh, well, you want to work for some hay pellets, but they just, they, they're too worried about their friends. So what we need to do in that situation is 
be closer to the friends, build up that confidence, and then they can slowly move further and further away. Versus what happens pretty frequently is the horse doesn't want to be away from their friend, so we increase the value really high. So maybe I've got carrots, or I've got apples, or I've got um, like a a store-bought treat, something like that, something really high value, and my horse will stay with me and work with me, but be worried um, about like going like again to that example going back to their friends but they're just there because they really want the food so we don't want that conflict um, that's what I was talking about in the very beginning was there still can be conflict there can there still can be anxiety with pots reinforcement so um, that would just be a good example of that so hopefully that made a lot of sense um, I know I, like just just pause reinforcement itself there's a lot to it but I just wanted to get the the definition out so we can clear that up this is what it is this is what it's not um and then I'll talk about negative reinforcement so I just want to clarify again pause reinforcement is the addition of something that increases the behavior that's all it is so pause reinforcement we got to think in math terms you're adding something to strengthen a behavior that is it there's that's the definition. So um, now we'll talk about negative reinforcement. So I'm pretty sure I've talked about both of these separately before, but I wanted to clarify exactly what they were. So we'll talk about this. Um, So the definition of negative reinforcement is when an operant results in a removal of an event and this procedure increases the rate of response. So removing an aversive event strengthens an operant. And then again, operant would be the, the person or animal that's operating on their environment so the learner this is just that textbook definition obviously I'm not going to talk like that because that would be confusing but I wanted to read the definition so I and I had two different different definitions from each book they're the same but they they're worded differently so the second definition is a behavior is strengthened by the removal of or a decrease in the intensity of a stimulus I thought that one was a little bit easier to kind of understand but it's important that In negative reinforcement, it's the removal of something that is perceived as aversive that strengthens a behavior. That's very important because people think because negative reinforcement is so common and very much the only thing used with horses that it can't be bad. It can't like the horse loves this. They love their job. Like I'm not doing anything wrong. And most people aren't doing anything wrong, but they got to know what it is. And the the part that people need to think about here is the aversive. You have to have an aversive to make negative reinforcement work. And the taking away of that aversive is what strengthens the behavior. That is the definition. There's no like my horse loves his job, my horse loves to do this, like whatever. It's has to be an aversive. <laughs> So, and it doesn't have to be an intense aversive because that's when you cross the line into positive punishment. It has to be some kind of aversive. So, so my examples, again, human examples, um, some putting sunglasses on when you go outside. So like I have light eyes and I have to put sunglasses on like as soon as I go outside, like it's very aversive to me. So it's not like, ah, my eyes are burning and I like run back inside, but it's aversive enough that I'm avoiding the experience altogether. And that's going to be a common theme in all these things. So I don't like to go out in the sun because it hurts my eyes. So I plan ahead to always like have my sunglasses. My sunglasses are by the door so I can just put them on. I don't have to experience that aversive event. 
So that's going to be very, very key to horse training is the horse is like, oh, well, I don't really like it. Like when he puts, puts his leg on and asks me to go forward. So as soon as like, that's where your cues come in too, by the way. So as soon as that, like if you have a voice cue, as soon as the voice cue goes, the horse will go. Or as soon as that leg starts to move, the horse will go because they're like, oh, I don't, I don't really like that. So I'm just going to go ahead and go first. So it doesn't have to be, I'm terrified, the horse is terrified or like in pain. It doesn't have to be like that. And it shouldn't be like that, but it's just important that it has to be aversive. So, and like, obviously the, the sun is somewhat aversive, but it's not like I'm actively trying to escape it and it's awful and terrible, but I am planning ahead to avoid having the sun in my eyes. So that's, that's a good example. Um, a crying baby is a good example. So the baby's crying. So the mom will be like, okay, well, whatever worked last time will help it stop crying. If that's holding it, feeding it, whatever it might be, it's to stop the crying and, and, and make that go away. So, and again, we're going to try different things, but it's to stop that stimulus. Um, again, with my example, the putting the leg on, um, or having a whip held. So like lots of people will say, um, I like, I, my horse doesn't even need to, um, I don't even have to use the whip. I just hold it and he knows what it's, what it means. That's negative reinforcement. The horse has learned through negative reinforcement. So if you, even if you're just holding the whip, let's say you're in the saddle and you just have it a lot, this works for a lot of horses. Um, they usually will just go forward off your leg because they know you have the whip and they, it's aversive to them. So they don't want you to use it. And so they'll just go forward. So that's a good example. Um, another example that I really liked in one of the books, because I do this, um, a lot, it's, and it's aversive to me is a loud noise in the car. So like if I drive my husband's car, he usually leaves it turned up really high. So as soon as you start it, it's like blaring loud and I hate that. And so again, just like with the sunglasses, I know what's going to happen. I don't like it. So before I turn it on, I turn down the volume all the way down and then I turn it on. Or if I forget, I turn it down really quickly. So that's again, me that's avoiding that situation. So the reduction in sound reinforces the act of turning the volume down. So just like with the sunglasses, like that reinforces me of getting the sun out of my eyes or the horse moving forward to avoid the whip or the leg. It's reinforcing those things. So a lot of those are human examples, but I felt like they were very, um, like something to connect with, especially with both the sunglasses and the loud noise. Like I have to plan ahead now. I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen. So I'm going to avoid this situation. So I thought that was really important. So the stimulus is a negative reinforcer. A stimulus is a negative reinforcer. A stimulus that is a negative reinforcer is. A negative reinforcer is something the individual tries to escape or avoid. So that's an important thing that we got to think of with negative reinforcement, just like with positive reinforcement. People think with positive reinforcement, it's just bribing horses and we never change behavior. We never get anything done. On the flip side, either people think negative reinforcement is like positive punishment, which we can cross the line into that, but it's not. It's different and it's not awful and terrible, um, but it's also not like the best thing and my horse loves it. There, there has to be something that the horse does not like to create a behavior so that it can be taken away. The horse has to escape or avoid something. That's why there's an aversive that the horse goes away from 
and then it's taken away. So that's very key because this is where we get to the root of all of those behaviors or most of those behaviors where um, horses are not wanting to be caught. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, if your horse doesn't want to be caught, um, it's there's nothing in it for the horse to be near you. So that's a big red flag. <laughs> that's an important one. Um, a horse that if you don't have a halter on, don't have a bridle on, again, will leave. Um, in an arena, in the barn, wherever, if they leave. Um, and then same thing, like horses don't want to be in the barn or they don't want to be in the round pen or they don't want to be in the arena, whatever. We got to remember classical conditioning is happening all the time. So if the horse um, is having too much negative experiences with negative reinforcement, like, no, and I'm using those two different terms. So if they're having bad experiences with negative reinforcement, which is the taking away of stuff, so two different things, then they're going to start associating all those things together. So that's why horses are ring sour or like they don't want to go in the ring at all. They don't want to be caught. They don't want to do this maneuver, whatever it might be. So that's why it's important like for me to advocate for positive reinforcement. Like my horses are never like hard to catch. I don't even have to go get them. I just kind of stand there and they'll come get, like they come to me. I don't have that problem. Um, because we, we often forget that there needs to be something in it for the animal. They aren't here to just do whatever we want. They're not, they're not cars. They're not motorcycles. They're not four wheelers. They're animals and we have to treat them as such and understand how, where they're coming from. So there has to be something in it for the horse. Um, and if native reinforcement isn't done really well, then we end up with a horse that associates you and maybe the arena and tack and working with you and working with people in general as not so great. So all of those things can become aversives. So that's important that this is in the example of what negative reinforcement is. The whatever aversive is, is happening um, to create behavior, the animal is trying to get away from it. So I'm trying to get away from that loud noise in my car by turning it down the radio. So I'm not running away in fear, but I am trying to get something to go away. Same thing with my sunglasses. I don't like the sun in my eyes. I'm going to put them on, but it's not something I love. So that's why those are, those are the sunglass ones at a pretty low level. Like obviously I still go outside. Like it's totally fine. I like the sunshine. I just put on my sunglasses. Um, the car radio is a little bit higher level of intensity because I don't, I really don't want it the stereo blaring at me. Um, but there can be different intensities of um, aversive. And again, just like with positive reinforcement, every reinforcer is different for every animal. So um, like a, a small like little touch on the side might be enough for a horse to move off and it might be absolutely nothing to another horse. And you might have to continually like tap their side or bump them or whatever um, in order to create a horse that goes forward and to have enough, um, aversiveness to have the horse move away from you. So just like positive reinforcement depends on the learner on what is aversive enough. So that is important. 
Okay, so I talked about this a little bit before. So what reinforces behavior in negative reinforcement is escaping from an aversive stimulus. Uh, once you have learned to escape an aversive situation, you learn to avoid it entirely. So this is kind of what I was coming back to with the horse that doesn't want to be caught or doesn't want to go in the riding arena or the round pen or whatever. They're learning to avoid those situations. They're learning to avoid you. And that's where you can get that classical conditioning can come in and they avoid all the things. So it might not just be one like certain area where you always ask your horse to do something. Um, it might be the whole entirety of you working with them. That's definitely a possibility. Like another um, word for negative reinforcement that I read in the books was avoidance learning. So you're they're learning to avoid things that are not pleasant. So um, I always try to do my negative reinforcement at very, very low levels. Um, I would say what I usually am using negative reinforcement for is like occasionally like when I'm leading and my horse is trying to graze and I'll just kind of put some pressure on the lead rope and they'll pick their head up and I'll, I'll let go of the rope. Um, I do that. Um, I'll, like I also do that with uh, positive reinforcement. Like she knows a cue to, to bring her head up or she'll touch a target and she'll get a treat or something like that. But um, that's a good example of that. Like I'm applying pressure to her halter so it's uncomfortable. She moves her head and I release it. Um, but I'm not, again, the, the difference would be I'm not applying a ton of pressure to her like she's really uncomfortable and like gets scared of it so there's different levels of aversive and we always want to like do the very least amount that it takes um that's why you'll hear a lot of positive reinforcement trainers or like I'll talk about where I'm I'm doing a very low level non-escalating negative reinforcement um because the escalation is where you can start um scaring the horse um and stuff like that. So, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. So as with positive reinforcers, the only way to be sure an event is negative reinforcer is determine if it's, remo if it's removal strengthens a behavior. So just like I was talking about, it depends on if taking it away strengthens it. So if I'm barely touching my horse on the side and he walks forward and I take my leg off, that worked for that horse, that behavior strengthened of going forward versus a horse that um, I, I really had to like press on or kick and then then I stopped when that horse went forward, um, just different levels of behavior. So, but if I, with that second example horse, if I just put my leg on a little bit and nothing happens and I take it off, I am negative really, really enforcing my horse for just staying still. Like, leg comes on, nothing happens, and I just take it off. So the horse is learning that this is just the leg comes on and it comes off sometimes. So that's, again, something that's important. When using negative reinforcement, is very important of when you take the pressure off. Um, even if you're not completely aware of it. Um, that's why filming yourself is really important because a lot of time, especially with that example, we don't realize that we've taken our leg off. Um, that's super important. But does the behavior strengthen? So do I put my leg on, nothing happens. I take my leg off, like, I'm not, my leg has not negatively reinforced going forward. It didn't work. So that's where people start escalating in negative reinforcement to get enough aversiveness to get the behavior that they want. Um, both um, positive and negative reinforcement um, increase the strength of behavior. So that's why they're, they have the R's, they have the reinforcers. Uh, the difference is, is that positive reinforcement, um, the reinforcing consequence is the appearance 
appearance of a stimulus, where with negative reinforcement, the reinforcing consequence is the removal of a stimulus. So I'm going to kind of repeat this multiple times, but it's very important. It's addition and subtraction. That's all it is. So positive and negative, again, don't mean good or bad. It is the addition of subtraction of something. So I'm going to repeat myself quite a bit, but it's important (laughs) because lots of people have completely missed that. They think, Positive reinforcement, great. Negative reinforcement, bad. Or some crazy mix in between. So again, I'm just kind of going back through the main points. And because I'm going to wrap this up. But go through the main points and make sure we have everything understood. So reinforcement strengthens behavior. So negative reinforcement doesn't mean bad. A negative experience necessarily. Or punishment. So it's just... Again, when we say negative reinforcement, it's going to be the subtraction of stuff. So um, can it become a negative experience for a horse or a bad experience? Yes. Um, By too much aversive, uh, too much pressure, it definitely can be. Um, And then it can cross the line into the other quadrant, um, into the positive punishment. Um, That is definitely a possibility. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit later, or not a little bit later. I'll talk about that in the next episode. So this one isn't super long. Um, I'll just talk about um, punishers and punishments. So hopefully that cleared up um, any confusion about positive or negative reinforcement. I know it was somewhat repetitive, but I'm trying to really make sure people understand what the two definitions are and how they're used. Obviously, we can talk about a lot of details for both of those, but there's just so much misinformation out there. I really wanted to just be like, it's none of these other things. This is what it is, um, and this is the scientific definition of it. So hopefully that helped, and I will talk about punishments uh, next time.